Hey, Mason, I really need a good gift for my generic loved one. Any ideas? Oh, yeah, Andrew. I have the gift they need. If you sign up for GoDaddy's Economy Blogcast Package, you'll receive 1 gig of disk space, 100 gigs of bandwidth, recording tools, and much more. Whoa, with all those features, I'd guess that kind of package will run me at least $20 a month and be plastered with ads. You're wrong, Andrew. The Blogcast Economy Package is just $4.49 a month for 12 months. That's a deal and a perfect way to get your own website, blog, or podcast started. Oh, yeah, that is a deal. Plus... Enter code Muggle when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Because Bellatrix doesn't get any, this is MuggleCast, episode 121 for November 25th, 2007. So, Andy, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was great. <laughs> Celebrated it well. Yeah. Did you have turkey? Uh, lots of. Mikey, uh, or Micah thinks like this is his greatest joke ever because he keeps running with it. <laughs> He's not going to stop. I've got to think of a witty answer for it. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. It was pretty chicken. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Micah, how was wow. your Christmas? No, sorry. Oh, well, Eric, considering <laughs> 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 it's a month away. I had a, a turkey uh, of a Thanksgiving. No, no. Um, we had a we had a Black Friday because they don't have Thanksgiving. They don't really have Black Friday, but it was a busy day, nonetheless, and it uh, really got me in the spirit. Um, for I'm, I'm ready. I need stuffing, guys. I really need stuffing. Yes, yes. I had stuffing. It was very good. That, uh, I also went Black Friday shopping. The Cherry Hill Mall. You ever been there, Eric? The Cherry Hill Mall? Cherry Hill, yeah. The Cherry Hill Complex. It's, uh, there's an IMAX there, isn't it? I don't know that. Ah, just That's like the first time I've been there. <laughs> but actually, I did go there with Jamie. I actually took Jamie to that mall. He loved it. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, they don't really have malls in the UK. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I went Black Friday shopping. And uh, no order of Phoenix DVD because it's not on sale here yet. Oh, gee, <laughs> we haven't. I, I, I bought it. I got all my Christmas shopping done on Friday. Anyway, welcome everyone to the show. As you see, we have uh, Micah, Eric, Andy's back as hey. well. And I'm here. I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannebell. And I'm Andy McRae. Mike is over in the MuggleCast News Center with the past week's top Harry Potter news stories. All right, thanks, Andrew. Universal's Harry Potter theme park, set to open in late 2009 or early 2010, will focus heavily on holiday-themed events, particularly at Halloween and Christmas time, according to Jim Hill Media. It is hoped that this Holidays at Hogwarts idea will rival Disney World's current dominance during the holiday season. 
Promotion for the park is due to begin as early as next year with television commercials featuring clips from all five of the Potter movies to date. With the release of the Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix DVD in the U.S. less than a month away, Warner Brothers has released a new behind-the-scenes video which features actors Dan Radcliffe and Ivana Lynch and shows how special effects were used to create the flying Thestral sequence in the movie. Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling has been named Entertainment Weekly's Entertainer of the Year. The announcement was made on the Today Show, which you can see video of on MuggleNet.com. Rowling, who appears on the cover, is the first author to ever receive the award. Finally, Sir Ian McKellen was recently interviewed by The Guardian, where amongst other things, he discussed Dumbledore versus Gandalf, the character who he played in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. McKellen says that while he and Michael Gambon are close friends, the topic of how to play a wizard has never come up. And as far as if he would have taken over the role of Dumbledore from the late Richard Harris, McKellen had this to say, People say to me, don't you wish you'd played Dumbledore? I say no, I played Gandalf, the original. There was a question as to whether I might take over from Richard Harris, but seeing as one of the last things he did publicly was say what a dreadful actor he thought I was, it would not have been appropriate for me to take over his part. He smiles icily, saying, it would have been unfair. When asked who would win the battle between Dumbledore and Gandalf, McKellen never hesitated. Gandalf, of course. That's all the news for this November 25th, 2007 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show. Okay, thank you, Micah. You're welcome. You know, it was a slow week. It was a slow week. The newsmakers are off this week, too, with the rest of us. <laughs> the newsmakers? Yes. Um, besides the big Thanksgiving, the annual Thanksgiving post, um, we had a little update on the Harry Potter theme park. Finally. I mean, we haven't heard about it in a while. Um, and this comes from a theme park blog. It's sort of an entertainment industry blog, but they focus on theme parks. They got some connections in the theme parks. And, uh, they, they, let me, let me read part of the recent blog post here. It concerns holidays at Hogwarts, this concept. You see, Universal is hoping to turn Island of Adventure's Harry Potter-themed section into a way to challenge Disney World's dominance when it comes to Christmas in Central Florida. Picture, if you will, a yearly Holidays at Hogwarts promotion at Universal Studios' Islands of Adventure, with carolers strolling through the streets of Hogsmeade and a traditional English Christmas feast being served nightly in the Great Hall at Hogwarts Castle. End quote. Is that a great idea, or what? Um, holidays maybe. at Hogwarts. Now, yeah. here's the thing. The, this blog post also said uh, this might be opening by 2009. So they're going to – and this blogger said they will open the park when it's half finished. Just, uh, I guess, start getting people in early. Now, is this a good idea or shouldn't you wait a couple extra years for the whole theme park to be open? Well, why would you do that? If you can make uh, these all these sorts of sales on memorabilia and all the stuff you can have prepped and ready to go. I guess, but I would just want like a huge grand opening instead of it just opening in pieces. But this is a very good way to uh, get those Disney fans out of Universal. Because personally, who who pays for two parks? I mean, you know... Um, so I think it's going to hurt Disney's holiday popularity. Maybe not much, but I'm sure there are several listeners out there who, um, go to Disney for, for the holidays or, you know, every once in a while. And I think most of our listeners will definitely start turning to Universal Studios. Uh, have any of you guys been to Universal Studios? In Florida, yes. Yep. 
Yeah, I've never. It's been, been a while. I'm a Disney fan. I... Yeah, I. I didn't go to Islands of Adventure at the time, so I, ca- I cannot speak for it. They had a cool Spider-Man ride. My friend told me I had to ride before the movies came out, and I didn't. But um, I was at Universal in Orlando, Florida, and I, I just have to say that the Nickelodeon building does not have a sweeping front lawn in it like any kid was always led to believe with the big giant um, sort of globe that says universe. They're, they're completely placed disproportionately, at, and, and it's not. there's no big sweep sweeping front lawn and I was very disappointed but other than that I had a good time cool yeah I mean I was at Universal back in 2000 I would say when I was on a band trip down there with school and I haven't been back since but I think this definitely adds an element for them that they were seriously lacking um, as far as drawing people there for the holidays I think now they have something that people are going to want to definitely go and experience yeah yeah I think so too the, the... though they, they've taken the Back to the Future ride down since I've been there, which is upsetting. Mm. It's very disturbing. Like a, uh, the Harry Potter, that whole Harry Potter area is definitely a selling point. But, like, I love Disney just because it's magical. <laughs> I mean, it just is. Yeah. And Disney, Disney has the one-up on, on everyone, I think. Yeah. Just because of, you know, their name and, and their, their whole, you can't have, you're not going to have breakfast with the Terminator. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's. That's the thing. Disney has all these characters, and they continue uh, to invent them. Like Woody and Buzz, for instance. You know, Toy Story. You know, Nemo. All these new films come out. You get all these new dressed-up characters, and Universal doesn't really have that thing because Universal's for the movie lover, right. and movies aren't, you know, necessarily like it's for an older sort of audience, <coughs> like, um, such as the Terminator Two, T Two, or Battle Through Time, or whatever it is um, that they have there. Yeah, yeah. So well, overall, it brings up a good point. What? That, yeah. uh, well, Disney is magical overall as opposed to Universal adding just one area of their park that is going to have a magical feel to it. Be magical. Right. Yeah. So. Um, but I personally enjoy uh, entering or entering Universal because they play the movie soundtracks. Um, as you, you, There's these long, um, I don't want to say escalators, but moving pavement or moving... The Skywalk? Yeah, sidewalk, whatever you want to call them. Um... Okay, if that's the Australian term, we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, Skywalks. The they're like uh, you know the moving pavement is yeah. what they're called. Moving, yeah, yeah. Um, and as you're going into the park into Universal, uh, they play the movie themes, cool. and that was just really awesome um, for me. So, what do you guys think yeah. about them playing us while people wait online? Oh, they should. Oh, that's a great idea. Us, us. The po- didn't someone bring that up before? I don't know. I think someone said that. I don't know. Either way, we'll we'll just we'll see. That's like a great place for like all the fan sites to go and just like hand out their business cards and stuff. Because <laughs> I mean, if you're going there, you must be interested in Harry Potter a little bit. So no, we'll be yeah. kicked out for loitering. Hey, but anyway, uh, moving on to some other news now. J.K. Rowling named Entertainer of the Year by Entertainment Weekly. Entertainment Weekly had this to say about J.K. Rowling. Uh, she is our Entertainer of the Year because she did something very, very hard, and she did it very, very well, thus pleasing hundreds of millions of children's, children and adults very, very much. In an era of video game consoles, online multiplayer environments, and tinier is better mobisodes, minisodes, and webisodes, she got people to tote around her big, fat, old-fashioned printed-on-paper books as if they were the hottest new entertainment devices on the planet. And that is so true. I love that that little connection because... 
I remember when the book came out, everyone was carrying them around. Like in London, I would see people carrying them around. And when we got back to the States, people were walking around with them. They were, they were a fashion statement. And it was cool. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah. People had them on the train. Yeah. That was yeah, yeah. That was our time, man. Yeah. That was our time. Yep. And uh, I have to say, I think this is a really good reason for why she should be per- Time's Person of the Year. We were talking about this last week. Or two weeks ago. Um, she should be Times Person of the Year for this exact reason. She is an entertainer and not by our, our the standards that we have today. I mean, I was looking back. Uh, Entertainment Weekly had a little archive of all the past entertainers of the year. by Since like ni- 1990, I think they started this in, or 96, or somewhere in the 90s. And... All of them have been movie stars, uh, cartoon characters. None of them have actually been uh, a book or its author. So this is a first for Entertainment Weekly's Entertainer of the Year, and I think um, it says something about J.K. Rowling this past year. Who's she up against? For Person of the Year? Uh, Is it Person or Entertainer of the Year? Well, she wasn't up against anyone. I mean, there was a list. They were all movie actors and stuff. But right. she she won the top entertainer of the year. Yeah, if you watch the video uh, on the Today Show, they kind of go through a list of people that she was up against, and she came out pretty clear ahead of anybody else. But I agree with what you're saying, Andrew. As far as person of the year, I think that it's sort of the right time. If she's ever going to get it, the time is going to be now because it's the culmination of her series. Right. It's all the work that she's done throughout the world with various charities. And I think it would be the just the right time. I mean, when else is she going to receive it? I don't think there's any other time that it would be more suiting than right now. Okay. Uh, moving on to final story of today. Uh, this was posted on Saturday. Ian McKellen finally comments on uh, Dumbledore. Is this – I could be wrong. Is this the first time he's ever mentioned uh, Dumbledore? Like being Whoa. being cast as Dumbledore? First time I remember, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, eh? Well, here, let's set it up. Ian McKellen says, People say to me, don't you wish you played Dumbledore? I say, no, I played Gandalf, the original. Hold, uh, think about that for a second. Hold hold for break, yeah. yeah. There was a question as to whether I might take over from Richard Harris, uh, but seeing as one of the last things he did publicly was say what a dreadful actor he thought I was, it would not have been appropriate for me to take over his part. It would have been unfair. (laughs) <laughs> um, Richard Harris actually said that? Yeah, it's hard to I imagine so. that he said he was a dreadful actor. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess unless, you know, you know you're going to die soon anyway, so why not? <laughs> so just insult all the people you, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah speak <laughs> the truth. Um, well, that's surprising. I mean, uh, the other thing that I think would upset a lot of Harry Potter fans is <laughs> Ian McKellen calls Gandalf the original. What does he it, mean by that exactly? Is he trying to say that, like, Dumbledore is a copy off of Gandalf? Well, well, surely there was Merlin before Gandalf. Yeah. But, yeah, so, so he's not even the I original. I don't think you can call him the original. Well, then again, maybe he means, hang on, by the original. Maybe get off by the original. The original eh. gay wizard? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, so funny. Nah, I don't know. Um, but I take it with a grain. Like I, I think this is interesting because it's good to hear 
his opinion on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, his opinion is, well, Richard Harris said he was a crap actor. Uh, sort of one of the last things he did publicly before he died. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and Ian's had a steady line of work with, I mean, the X-Men franchise and Da Vinci Code, and he's had a steady line of work, and he'll never be out of work. You know, come to think of it, it would be weird if he played Gandalf and Dumbledore. Yeah, I mean, that's like the same guy playing Superman, also playing Batman. <laughs> that's Seriously. A, that's a good comparison. Yeah. That's a really good comparison. Well, thanks. Uh, but, you know. It's interesting that he said it would have been unfair. How is he saying that? I mean, is he saying that in the sense that he's a better actor? Because uh, so... he outlived Richard Harris? Oh, no, no. <laughs> it would have been unfair I, I to what... to follow him after Richard Harris already said he's a crappy actor. I guess. But why? Because yeah. he would have proved just how much better he was? No, by... I think just because that's, well, that, like, that's disrespecting just... his wishes. I mean, not directly, but yeah. it sort of is. Well. I don't know. Yeah. I don't mind that much. It's just, it's good to have an answer. Yeah. Like, I was always wondering, well, well is there, was there a good reason? Just that whole icy smile part leads me to believe that he was yeah. sort of conveying the message that he was a better actor, so if he would have assumed the role, he would have put Richard Harris to shame. That's what I took out of it. Well, yeah. I'd like to see Ian McKellen try it. But him and Michael Gambon are friends, so... And apparently they never talk about it, which isn't surprising. Which, but. you know, may benefit Michael Gambon every once in a while to talk to uh, <laughs> Ian McKellen about how to play a wizard. Yeah, I don't know. Or how to act in general. Yeah. That's kind of mean, Michael. No, hey, hey, no... Well, yes. I, is, I'm but... sorry I pulled back on that one. I was like, <laughs> I was just waiting to see if anybody else agreed. And, um, I'm pulling my punches in light of this whole, it's 120 episodes later, I've decided to do that. So, I was going to ask Andy, though, because we've never heard his thoughts, what he thinks of Michael Gambon. Um, well, I think he plays Dumbledore well, but my favorite's always been Richard Harris, so I don't think there's anyone who can replace him. But that's just my view anyway. Huh. I think, I think if, that's a lot. That's what a lot of people say. I think. If Richard Harris would have stayed on just for the third, I know he didn't have much say in the matter, but it, <laughs> I, I reckon if no, <laughs> honestly, honestly, like, I, I reckon say if he matter. were available in the third one, um, I think we would have seen whether or not he could actually do it. I mean, a lot of people make the comment, "Oh, Richard Harris." I mean, look at him in Chamber of Secrets; he looks like he could blow him away like you know just with the you know and a bit of air and wind and he get blown away like that's a lot of the and and he does look at but but he also had a, a sort of force behind his voice I, if he were in the third one i think we would have been able to see for sure um sort of i think his capabilities yeah. like is that's where dumbledore gets kind of um you know really good good at uh i mean you know just a little bit of a hint um but we lost him when oh, we did and yeah. I'm not minding Michael Gambon in movie yeah. five, but you guys haven't seen it since theaters, so. But I reckon the thing they say about Michael Gambon is he sort of plays Dumbledore in that whole angry style, like in the fourth movie. Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? I mean, I preferred Richard. Right, Harris that's what upset a lot of people. S- somebody listened to a show. <laughs> <laughs> and also, in Order of the Phoenix, when he says, "Shouldn't you all be doing? Don't you all have schoolwork to do?" After yeah, you know, like what was the point of that line, line man? It's just, yeah. I mean, we've we've talked about that a lot, though, so. We'll move on. Uh, we do have a couple of announcements now. Micah, you got the first one? Yeah, I've been getting a lot of emails for people who are interested in transcribing for the show. I know you mentioned that at the end of one of the shows a couple of weeks back. But I think I'm pretty much set as far as that's concerned for now. If anybody else uh, 
does get hired, we will let you know, but please stop sending in emails for now. And thanks to everybody who sent something in. Thanks. Let's move on to some emails now. Sure. Uh, the first email comes from Stephanie 15 of Lansing, Illinois, not Michigan. Uh, she said on last week's episode, you mentioned the school in England that improved from Harry Potter. The Catholic elementary school I went to did just that, but for only the fourth grade. They started when I entered fifth grade, and what they did was divide the grade into houses, and you could earn or lose points for your house. My little sister is a proud Slytherin, and I think the whole concept is a good idea. That could also help encourage students to have better behavior. I agree. You know, because um, if, if you screw up, if you bully some kid on the playground, you're going to lose points for your... I mean, I, assuming it's out, stuff outside of the classroom as well. Yeah, it's good. Um, and I like that idea a lot, um, especially because kids know Harry Potter, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. Um, for instance, I taught um, CCD. I taught first grade um, religion classes with my mom. Um, it's for all the kids in the Catholic Church um, who go to a public school. Mm-hmm. They get some classes, and um, it ends sort of eighth grade when they get confirmed in the Catholic Church. It doesn't have to end there, but it, but it can. And... Um, usually does for most people and so we taught and I used um, Spider-Man actually to teach religion and it was uh, quite a novel concept I I didn't um, because the kids knew Spider-Man obviously because the first movie had come out and uh, you know they'd seen the cartoon series etc so what I would do is I would draw Spider-Man on the board on the uh, dry erase board and every time that they were loud or noisy I would erase part of Spider-Man and so the uh, thing being that uh, th- their hero, uh, well, they would have to be good, otherwise there would be no Spider-Man. That's and a good idea. That's and I did it with Harry idea. Potter towards the end of the year as well, mm. so that was um, that was quite good. Uh, the next one comes from Dan37 of New Mexico. He said, uh, I read a good article on the state of reading in America, and it mentions the Harry Potter books. I've always believed that kids that are already reading all over the world are buying the Harry Potter books on a huge scale. I don't believe that the books have turned many non-reading children into readers, and if this has happened, what else are they reading now that they are true readers, or are they just reading the Harry Potter books? And uh, he goes on to list the article from the Chicago Tribune and a bunch of quotes, but I think what he's generally getting at is, are the Harry Potter books really causing children to read more? Or... Are they just reading Harry Potter and then not moving on to anything else? Well, that's an interesting question. I think it's an interesting muggle mail as well. Um, I'm happy to read it and contemplate. I think that even even if they're only reading the Harry Potter books, that's sort of um, thirty or 40,000 more words than they would be reading. Or, or, you know, at least seven big more, you know, more books. Even if they're... So the question is, I guess... Are they making kids read more in general or just read more Harry Potter books? But I've found that the Harry Potter books have been – that's why I like them so much is that I can read them and can enjoy them. That They're written in such a way so as to – like – but I it's true. I haven't read too terribly much beyond Harry Potter since Harry Potter with the exception of a few Stephen King novels. So I would perhaps be in that column. Right. Um, and one interesting quote that came from this article that he put in his email is he said – it's great that millions of kids are reading these long, intricate novels, but reading one such book every 18, 18 months doesn't make up for daily reading. Yeah, I think this is a good point. I mean, when I first read this, I I was like, well, that's actually pretty true. Because, yeah, 
the Harry Potter books are always being credited with getting children to read, but the question is, does it keep them reading? Like, you know, okay, they'll just read Harry Potter. Does it, is it long-term? Though, fair enough, I, I, I think there there are plenty of fans, and we might hear from them in, in Muggle Mails next week, that, that have actually, you know, were introduced to reading. I, I think there are. I think there are some. Maybe not as large a scale as people think, and in that case, Dan Dan is uh, right to, to point this out. Um, it feels like Debunking, or or just it feels like a blow, but it's 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 not. But I, I'm sure there are people that have gotten into reading and have read sort of the other fantasy novels out there. Like, for instance, Lord of the Rings. Um, I would, I can see how people would read Harry Potter first and then get into Lord of the Rings as opposed to the other way around, um, because Lord of the Rings are quite intense to read. And and, and so if you like the, uh, it depends on what you like about Harry Potter. If it's Joe's writing style. And that's the most th- that's the thing you like most. You might only read the Harry Potter books. If you like the fantasy genre as a genre, you will be highly interested in reading any or all science fiction yeah. and other fantasy books. You know what I'm saying? Like Philip Pullman, for instance. And with, with all these movies coming out and treatments and Northern Lights or Golden Compass, whatever it's called, coming out as well. I, I think Harry Potter fans, even with the completion of the series, are looking for more books to read. Yeah. Yeah, well, it definitely inspires them to read beyond Harry Potter, but the question is, do they stick with it? Yeah, right. And that's so. that's unpredictable. I don't. Yeah. I don't and think. I just found it yeah. interesting that they were quoting people from the Penguin Group and Simon and Schuster, all these other companies, instead of maybe asking somebody from Scholastic. Right. So yeah. There's, not, a, there's a good be for comment. There's a right. good. There's a good quote here. It says there are so many nuances. Whit White men said person named Whiteman, reading scores don't necessarily have relevance to today's sales. <laughs> I find that funny. Well, yeah, I mean, I think what they were getting at was, do the Harry Potter books, when there's a release, are they skewing the sales Stats. in the teenage range so much that you, you think that there's this large group of people out there that are buying all these different books, but really it's just because of one major release? Well, in that case, I would be pro the idea that, no, there's not enough reading out there, and we should pay more attention to books than we should to iPhones. Sorry, Andrew. Um, <laughs> or I, but, iPod Touch. or Look, I, lo- I love iTunes, okay? I just got – you guys saw my book. Oh, I Phase is a great video game for I, iPods. I love it. Takes all of your songs and Guitar Hero eyes is them. Yeah, I saw that. That looks pretty cool. But hey. It all goes back to Joe. Yeah. She's always said that the biggest thing that she's gotten out of all of this is that kids not only read her books but go on to read other stuff. So hopefully that is the case. I think she would know because they probably sent her the the letters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think it's also impossible not just – the other thing he's doing is these statistics because Chicago Tribune did them are American. You know, so think about all the countries worldwide that are. That's the whole reason there's a Harry Potter fandom so massive is because of all the other countries where people are reading this book and everybody knows Harry. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to get a lot of emails, but I'm going to say that uh, other countries, putting the U.S. aside, probably generally read more than Americans do. Oh well, that's a good point. Yeah, and you're right. But um, let's let's move on now to some more emails. Next one comes from Kevin, 21 of Chicago, Illinois. Not our Kevin. Hey, I'm not too sure if any of you keep up with high-definition movie releases, as in Blu-ray or HD 
HD DVD. But within the past month or so, Warner Brothers has had to postpone several of their high-def releases with no explanation. This makes me think that they may be having HD production problems, so for the Harry Potter series, they wanted to allow themselves enough time to be able to meet the HD demand in the U.S. After all, the Harry Potter movies will likely make it into the, their top-selling HD releases, releases, sorry, and releasing them day and date with a DVD will promote HD sales. This is just speculation, of course, but hey, what's hey? That's what Harry Potter podcasts are all about, right? What's the right? question? No, it's not a question. It's a statement. Last week we talked about why is the Harry Potter DVD being delayed, or was it two weeks ago? I lose track. It was um, last week. It was because yeah, it's out yeah. overseas, and why is it waiting till December eleventh? Right. Um, oh, yeah. okay. And well, you know, I did. Thing. Well, I did do a quick check on Amazon.com to see if. Um, they actually Amazon.co.uk to see if they had them in stock in the UK, the HD and Blu-ray discs, and in fact they do. So that might suggest it might not be a problem with that with the high definition movie releases. Although I guess you would need a crapload more for us Americans, since I'm sure a hot holiday item this this season is going to be uh, the high definition movie. Players, I'm pretty so, sure if they wanted to produce an extra 500 million copies of the fifth movie on HD DVD a month ago, they could have done it though. Yeah, but there has been there has been delays and supply has been low. I don't know. I still seriously think it could have to something to do with the hairspray DVD release. I'm just saying because I think <laughs> I think it's competitive. I just think it's competitive. No, I think it's possible. They didn't want to compete with hairspray. They knew that they would lose. Well, I don't know if they would lose, but if if you're going out with your kid, or if a kid's going out with their parent to buy a DVD to Walmart, say, you know, typically they'll get, like, one DVD. You know, it's typical oh, competition. God, it's just, I miss Walmart. Walmart's all right. That's where I bought But what about extra DVD. things being included on this DVD as opposed to maybe something on the others? Is that possible? I mean, what do would you they mean? include more uh, scenes, say, from Half-Blood Prince? Oh, uh, well, like I mean, all the scenes are viewable online. Unless, unless, well, yeah. Are they? I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. They, um, you put your DVD in the computer and you go to the site oh, and right. you can watch them. Uh, I haven't true. explored my discs too yet. But I'm see, bad. the Christmas argument doesn't hold up with me either, though, because it's going to be Christmas in the UK also. So yeah, it's right. Well, no, yeah. but the American is consumerized. The uh, America just wants to delay it because they know they're going to get the hype up. Yeah, you know? it could be. Well, that's whatever. what I think. That's why you know. But. We may never know the true reason. But waiting an entire month to delay it? Uh, yeah, yes, I know. It doesn't absolutely. Seem Maybe it's a stupid corporate idea, but it's an idea. I could Maybe see like should. delayed for Australia or yeah, well, Germany we, or every. Well, DVD New we Zealand itself runs out of iPods. Really? Literally, hmm. yeah. Hmm. Hmm. You can actually go into a store and say, "I want an iPod," and they'll say. They or they're it's capable that they're out of the out of them in the country. Yeah. Well, there's some business strategy to this. We just don't know what it is. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> uh, we have contacts, don't we? Can we email them and be yeah, like, Yeah, hey, we could. I keep forgetting. I I don't think they'll they'll give a comment. They'll just be like, "Cause oh, I'll see. I'll look into it." All right. Uh, that's all we have for emails this week. Uh, because we have a segment we are bringing back this week. I think we, the last segment, chapter by chapter segment, was episode 44, it looks like, back in mid-June. That's one third, that's two thirds of the show ago. So that was the first third of the show. So by the the first third of what the show is now, 
Chapter by chapter was gone, out of the scene. Zip, out, patui. Why was that, Andrew? Well, um, we had mixed feedback about chapter by chapter originally. And, well, I mean, throughout its run. Uh, some people really loved it. Some people didn't like it so much. So we took a break from it for a while. And then, then book seven came around and we sort of just scrapped it all together. The original plan, and I remember, I, I think I remember sitting with you on the phone about this, Eric, was we, we were going to start a certain day. And we were going to be able to complete every chapter between books one and six right before uh, leading up to the mm. book seven release. Was that? I think I'm kind of glad we plan? didn't. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we didn't either. Because yeah, it was yeah, it was difficult with um, especially with the movie being released in conjunction. It was just you know we had so many. I, I think we did quite well about. on content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, we I, did I, do well. I think we did quite well on content, and, and there were mixed reviews on chapter by chapter, and and it was for a very good reason. Um, so what we've decided to do this was what Andrew's idea because well explain about book seven. And, well, I have to say it wasn't even my idea. I mean, we we've been talking about this for a while, but and then I, I <laughs> it's gonna sound like I'm trying to blame it on someone, but Mike has suggested say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mike has suggested last week or a couple weeks ago or well, I mean, okay, we've been thinking about bringing it back. Okay? So shoot me. <laughs> Fine. Call my idea, whatever, I don't care. But we are gonna bring it back this week. We're gonna start we're well, we're gonna we're gonna go through Deathly Hollows. We're going to start with chapter one this week. Um but we're gonna tweak the segment a little bit. We're gonna treat it differently. Um and we're gonna take our first shot at it with today's show and we, we think it's going to go pretty well. I do. Micah does. Uh, yeah, he does. So for, sure does. Yeah, I, I do too. So, <laughs> so, so for this, um, so, so for this new revamp, so now for, for new listeners or, or people who, uh, you know, are not terribly familiar with it, we'll just do a recap. We do have a lot of new listeners since then. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we go by what, what the original, I think one of the original ideas was um, between, it was Jamie and myself were talking about it once, and we said, well, wouldn't it be great if we, no, no, this wasn't Jamie's idea. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if we had a, a read with um, sort of all of our listeners where we read a chapter and they read a chapter and each week we talked about it on the show. It would be sort of endless content almost with, you know, one for each chapter of the Harry Potter books would last forever. It's it's the podcaster's ideal just just thing. Even if if not for a main discussion, it, it could provide. And, and, and it, it was an interesting idea. Um, in concept, it was a bit interesting. And basically, what what remained was that the Mugglecasters did read a chapter of of the first book um, until we did end up completing the first book. We did what we do. Yeah is we read each chapter of the Harry Potter series and um, we bring up some key points, discussion topics, and we talk about what happens in, in the books. Now, with book seven, this will be interesting and different because it'll be a very nice way of sort of... I mean, we've, we've done overviews of book seven ever since episode, the past, past 20 episodes or so. We've, we've talked about what happened in book seven, but never at this detail and never with a complete sort of, well, what was it actually? What, what, what actually happened? You guys agree? Yeah, and I think a lot of new people have asked for this. They want us to go through book seven chapter by chapter, and so that's really why it's coming back because people want it. Yes, and it is it is our segment. And admittedly, we have sort of taken we've we've sort of gone away from in depth discussion that we used to do. We haven't been doing it as much lately. I mean, we've been talking about gay characters and hairspray and. That, that's what Harry Potter true. conferences are bugging us. So, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, mean, yeah, 
We so, have to show them that we still got it, and we're not just arrogant, pompous um, teenage <laughs> boys. And and, and rightfully boys. so. We, we, we're gay, gay, gay teenage boys who I like hairspray and are really happy that... Anyway, okay. um... Let's uh, go to the actual segment. Let's let's do this. Okay, so before we begin, I wanted to preface this chapter by chapter. Um, shortly. No, nah, no, you guys are thinking, great, great. No, no, some listeners may or may not know. I mean, I haven't been on too many episodes, not as many as I used to be recently, but some listeners may very well know that I didn't um, have the fondest, um, warmest reception to Book 7 initially. I have a vow that um, I will read, uh, reread this book with a keen eye, and I will be absolutely um, not... I won't go easy on it, but I'm, I'm going to completely re-envision what I think, because we're going by chapter by chapter. All the Mugglecasters are doing this every... Sh- I don't know about every show, but um, we'll be doing this throughout all of Book 7, and I, I, I won't be biased. Okay, we're going to do it. Sweet. I'm really enthused. So let's get sweet. right into it. We're going to start with The Dark Lord Ascending, Chapter 1. <sighs> Everybody okay, books open? Yeah, everyone I believe this is uh, to yeah. page 1. What page is it? In page the U.S. One. It's page one. It opens on page um, ten or nine, actually, in the U.K. edition. Yeah, nine. Fantastic. Yeah. We're going to start with a basic summary. In short, it's Voldemort and all of his Death Eaters around one table uh, planning, or well, listening to Voldemort's plan to kill Harry Potter. He's telling his his friends, our foes, that he is going to kill Harry Potter himself because he's made too many mistakes. Uh, so that's basically how it opens up. And our initial thoughts on this chapter, first we'll chapter. We'll go around the table. We'll yeah. go around the table. Let me just start by saying I think this is the perfect way to open a book. It's very movie-like. It's a very movie-like opening because it's very yeah. short. And we we find out exactly what the villain in this – I'm just going to mm. call it a film right now. Film is going to – be trying to do throughout the entire film, and a short you and can say sweet, text. and it ends with a death. It's just, it just, it's so fitting. Um, it's going to be a perfect movie opening. Next, I agree, Micah. What do you think? I agree completely. Actually, Andrew and I were talking about this uh, before we started the show, and saying how awesome of a way this is to open up. Deathly Hollows, you know, the Avada Kedavra, the Flash of Green Light, and then uh, Voldemort saying, you know, the whole line of dinner and a guinea, and then you could just see it transferring over to Hedwig's theme, and that's how the seventh movie opened up. Hopefully they keep up. it in. <laughs> yeah, if they're listening now, yeah, you, David, keep, you better keep that David, in. My well, yeah. I, I don't think they'll, they'll have a problem, though, with this book, because this is quite, this is, this is short. This is a short book. In the UK edition, isn't it the third longest book? I right. think it's it's behind something like that. What, yeah, yeah, it's behind five for sure. Cool. And I think but you it's can even see behind... the movie opening like that, similar really to how uh, Goblet of Fire opened up with uh, Frank Bryce being killed. Yeah, it's very very similar, and and also a bit you get a lot of star power with uh, with all the actors. You'll see Alan Rickman and um, Jason yeah. Isaacs and, and all of them, and Ray Fiennes right in the very beginning, and it, it's a great... You're right. It's very movie-esque and very good for the um, the narrative of the uh, text. Have have very we nice. seen have we seen Alan Rickman and Ray Fiennes on the same... Um, have they been together? Seen together yet? I don't think so, have we? No, no, not together, because yeah. that would be... Yeah. No, we haven't. Um, yeah, that would be very cool. And Snape wasn't at the end of movie five, as far as no. I recall. Nope. Yep. I can't wait. Um, 
Andy. Right. Yeah, Andy. All right. Well, I should probably preface this by saying book seven was my favorite book, so that's oh, good. Yeah. But I think this was a very good chapter, and the thing I really enjoyed about it was something that I've been wanting to see for a long time, which is the Malfoy Manor. And then we get taken yep. right into it, so I thought yep. that was fantastic. Guys, we're at the Malfoy Manor. Yeah, it's about time. Isn't that awesome? After six books, that's actually our first point here. After six books of knowing the Malfoys, disliking the Malfoy. Well, I don't know. Some people thought it, you know Draco was kind of cute, but um, <laughs> we're at the Malfoy Manor. Arthur Weasley has been here. Characters have been here. This is where Dobby was from. We're talking, and we meet it. And and guys, what do we see? What do we see? What what do we see? What what do we have? Voldemort is there. Voldemort's there, and guys, we have they're white, they're sleek, they're shiny, they're peacocks. What? <laughs> the Malfoy Manor has peacocks. Did you guys not find? I find this. I put this as number one in our key points here. Isn't that awesome? What else about the manor do you guys find interesting that that we're introduced to in this book? Well, I like how Joe describes it as a handsome manor. Yeah, it's very handsome. Out of the darkness, very... at the end of the straight drive, it's glinting. And of course, we've talked about it a million times before, but Joe's just very descriptive with all of her scenes. No, it's really written well. Um, I think that's very demonstrated. And you guys remember in the middle of their talks, they uh, <laughs> you hear a, a whine, a moan, a distinct sort of noise, and Voldemort turns to Wormtail and says... I thought you were keeping our prisoner in line. Yeah. Now, wait a second. Uh, what? What was that? It was that I was Olivander. Um, Olivander. Yeah. Oh, okay. From underneath, but we don't oh, know that, that makes yet. Makes sense now. So uh, we just spoiled it for all the people who haven't read book seven and were waiting for us to do chapter by no, chapter I on hope it. They have. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, because um, I was confused because I thought um, the Hogwarts teacher was the prisoner. So I was like, why is he running off if the Hogwarts teacher is right there? Right. Yeah, it was a bit confusing. So. When they go into the room, now this is, we, we meet, what, Snape and Yaxley, right? Yes. Snape and the Death Eater Yaxley, who are, um, who they have their wands out at each other, they draw their, and this line worried me, because I think this was released, um, sort of just prior to, like, the week of the seventh book, wasn't it? This, this first, um, apparent opening had been leaked? Yeah, it did, yeah, it did. And just the way Snape says, when asked, you have news, Snape says, the best, you know, replied Snape. That worried me very, very much because this the is best. just after. You have to take yourself back. This is the night of or the night after. Or, well, actually quite a bit after, but it, it's it's just after Snape has killed Dumbledore. And I took it to mean, oh, no, um, maybe we were all fool for 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 thinking Snape is good because he's he says, well, that's the best. And he's grinning and he's like, I have the best news of all. I thought he was delivering the news that he had killed Dumbledore, but... He wasn't. So that's good. Yeah. So then we get into the house, and there's that floating human figure. And then Joe Joe intros Draco, but doesn't directly say that it's Draco. What what page is this on? She says, boy with sleek hair yeah, uh, was the only one paying attention to Charity Burbage. Now, I don't, don't know about you guys, but I knew right away that was Draco. Who else could it be? I read it twice, and then I figured it was him. Um, really? Yeah, because it well, was like, boy, was house. Care. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it's it's interesting that he should be in the uh, Death Eater meeting. Not, I mean, I realize at the end of book six, we realize he's been inducted as a Death Eater. But yeah. I think it's I think it's something quite interesting to have the whole family there, um, which we'll get into in a moment. Yes, the the whole family thing and how Voldemort responds. Um, so and Draco, you can you can tell at this point that Draco is still exactly how he has been. He's he's weak. He's not. A, he's not. He shouldn't be a Death Eater. He's scared at the sight of uh, Charity Burbage. Is that how you pronounce the name? Uh, yep. Uh, her name. Her name. Her name. Uh, she's, he's scared of her floating right there, right in front of him. Kind of creepy. a wuss. He's not... He's not well, I think he's realizing that... He yeah. No, I think he's realizing at this point more than ever he's in over his head. Or at least Charity's over his head. But he's <laughs> in over his head. You know, and and he can't get out. There's no way out. So he just has to sit there and look glum, you know, and hope he doesn't get uh, noticed by Voldemort, as he does. Right. So then they start talking about the Ministry of Magic. Yes. Their yeah, plan I wanted is to, bring to up, overthrow oh, God. What's up? No, I just wanted to bring up one thing that I thought, um, you know, and it does relate to all of this, but um, when they first start getting into talking about the plan and the news that Snape brought, um, how Snape can sort of conveys that information to Voldemort, and uh, how Snape is so very sure about when Harry is being moved. And uh, I'm just going to quote it right here, because you know this goes back to the whole idea of Voldemort being able to read into Snape's mind, and Snape being so good at locking him out. Um, it says his red eyes fastened upon Snape's black ones with such intensity that some of the watchers looked away, apparently fearful, fearful that they themselves would be scorched by the ferocity of the gaze. Snape, however, looked calmly back into Voldemort's face, and after a moment or two, Voldemort's lipless mouth curved into something like a smile. So it's clear that Snape has to be extremely powerful to do what he's doing, and it shows even in the first chapter of Book 7. Yeah. Again, yeah, the Snape thing. No, you're right. You're completely right. And Snape, where is Snape? Snape is seated at the right hand of Voldemort. Literally, the chair right beside him. Severus, I was saving this for you. As soon as he walks in, he sits at the right hand of Voldemort, which is significant. You think he said is, it like that? He said it exactly like that. Oh, yeah. Severus, in his, come here. In his, <laughs> in his high... What you didn't Save know about... Look, now, now, look, if he's the next one to come out, I'm leaving. I'm literally just... <laughs> I'm leaving. I, I'm leaving. You'll, uh, you'll hear a door no, close. Oh, he and, was in love with know. Lily. We know that. Yeah. No, I'm talking Voldemort. Oh, oh, oh. He wasn't in love yeah, with anybody. Anyway, um... <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. He's not, he's not capable of love, so I'll continue believing that. No, Straight the right hand love. of Voldemort, that's symbolic. So Snape is so trusted and so powerful, he sits at the right hand of Voldemort. And Voldemort's got that snake all around him, so that's pretty creepy. Uh, because snake, the snake would be, you know, as what is described as being as big as a man's thigh. Yeah, and the snake just straight yeah. up will kill you. And it does, in yeah. the end. Oh, yes. spoiler again. But, I mean, snake, Snape, and Voldy, right there. That's that's just, ugh. This is like a, bo- a bad board meeting gone wrong. Yeah. So, that, so and they're talking about hostile takeovers. Yeah. So Voldemort is saying that he needs to kill off Harry Potter himself, and thanks to Snape's information, he decide. Well, he realizes that Harry's not going to go through port key or flu powder, so he's going to catch him right out, in 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 person. He's going to catch him out in broad 
darkness or daylight. But he's going to catch them. And it's not going to be through magic because the Ministry of Magic could be watching. Or, well, they know that the Ministry could be watching. Or the Death Eaters. <sighs> exactly. So, now, so. there's a quote here. Okay. Quote here is, I shall attend to the boy in person. There have been too many mistakes where Harry Potter is concerned. Some of them have been my own. That Potter lives is due more to my errors than to his triumphs. Lord Voldemort says this in on page 13 in the UK edition. He says that there have been errors and they've been more Voldemort's fault than they have been due to Harry's, uh, you know, dumb luck, basically. Voldemort it's, now goes on to say more page about six this. In our- U.S. edition. Page six. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he says that, and then he goes on to it. So so this is sort of setting up that Voldemort is aware of his past failings and is really keen on not making any more mistakes when it comes to Harry Potter. I thought so that sh- statement was so ironic, though, if you think oh, about it. Oh, it's very. It. It's yeah. very ironic. That's, because that's why there I, he is talking about his mistakes, and yet he's, he's unaware make a of the fact, oblivious to the fact of how many more mistakes he's made and how far along in the process Harry already is. Yeah, by the end of this book, he's going to make a boatload more mistakes. So then, I mean, the next point, uh, the Ministry of Magic. There's obviously uh, some problems here. They've confronted... Yeah, no, that's Dolish, um, who is susceptible to confront his charms. They've infiltrated the Ministry, people. The... Death Eaters have placed their people, and a single mismove will cost Voldemort several weeks um, if they act too soon on um, uh, Scrimgeour. But they've infiltrated the Ministry. This sets up the rest of the book. Uh, some, some of the one of the premises. Now, um, then comes a little scene with the Malfoys. And Voldemort's looking for a wand. He needs a wand. And he decides that Lucius's wand uh, would do. Would be the wand that he needs. So, uh, Lucius is a little reluctant at first. He can't believe it. And when Voldemort takes the wand, Lucius is expecting to receive Voldemort's. And that gets a laugh out of Voldemort. Voldemort LOLs. And he's like, yeah, you're not getting my wand, sorry. And then Voldemort's like, oh, well, you best be appreciative of me being here. Aren't you not? Are you not? And um, it takes Bellatrix to reassure Voldemort that they love having them there. It's the highest honor, says Bellatrix. There can be no greater pleasure. And Voldemort and gets all sappy. He's like, oh, that means so much from you. <laughs> no, that's and not sappy. And then rips her apart. He rips her <laughs> apart. He's saying, oh, that means so much coming from you. Oh, Whose niece is banging a werewolf. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, can't really <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I thought that sort of meant he was serious, but I thought the whole Lupin thing was a separate No, he story. killed Sirius. Death by curtain. Um, but, um <laughs> yeah, one point that I just want to bring up, and sorry to backpedal here, but it's about the whole ministry infiltration thing. This is actually the first time in six and a bit books that I, that really the thought ever crossed my mind that, wow, the good guys might not win, you know? Which I thought was interesting. I mean, because once the government is infiltrated, you know. Yeah, kind of there's no. Kind of in trouble. 
it's just absolutely and and knowing that Voldemort's a half blood and listening to him talk about this purity thing, you get you get the hypocrisy of it all. I think Joe does convey that quite a bit because this is this is very personal. This is well, not very personal, but this is very dangerous. A, a meeting of you know the villain of the series at the very beginning of the book talking about purging the world. Yeah, and that right. is why they kill Charity Burbage. Uh, the Muggle Studies professor for polluting the minds of pure blood, namely wizards, um, to say that well, Muggles and wizards should get along. I'd so, it was, what do you think? It, on the ministry side of it, though, uh, back to what Andy was saying, also is that um, it's interesting how Snape sort of plants the seed in Voldemort's mind that the Order has no trust in the ministry. And I just found that also kind of ironic because the Order has never really had much trust in the Ministry, even from Book 5 on. Right. So True, yeah. I, I just uh, found that interesting that Snape would uh, sort of throw that out there. And Voldemort's response was pretty much, oh, all the better. You know, he's going to have to move in the open anyway now since they don't trust the Ministry. And totally. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, the Ministry is playing that card. The Ministry's proved a number of times that they can be pretty incompetent, so... I mean, it's yeah. understandable that the yeah. Order doesn't trust them. Oh, yeah, no, but but they would have to... Um, it's also said that they want to protect the house with the best spells that both the Ministry and the Order can think up, so they do accept the help, sort of, in, in when they can trust them, or when they can, you know, use the sort of brute force of... The, or the, the numbers, the sheer numbers and governmental support from the Ministry, you know... Um, but they don't trust them. So then Charity has to take one for the team and mm. has to be killed while Snape just looks on and acts like, you know, sorry, nothing I can do about it. Gonna blow my cover. Um, and then that concludes chapter one. It's a short chapter, and like we said, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a great movie opening. Um, here's hoping that they actually keep everything in. I mean, that, that whole chapter-by-chapter chapter segment went by pretty quick. Is there anything else you guys want to add about it? I had a few things. Oh, Sorry. Okay. I don't mean to Hey, God forbid we put it, we plan it beforehand, <laughs> put it in our yeah. show planner. Sorry. Oh, what, what do you have to add? No, I was just going to bring up uh, the killing scene, something very interesting. Uh, if you go back and you notice what Charity says, take a look. Yeah. It's a very uh, common line that has been used throughout the course Severus, of the series. Severus, please, please. Yep. Yeah. It's the same uh, thing that uh, Narcissa says to Snape and Spinner's End. It's also the same thing that Dumbledore says to Severus before he dies. Yeah. Oh, Severus, please, at the will of Severus. At the mercy, rather. At the mercy of... But, I, you know... Yeah. Hmm. It's like she's highlighted Snape. Here's my thing, though. Well, did you, I, I guess she's desperate. She has to plead with him. But does even if even if Snape was like willing to be the good guy in that situation, Voldemort would have just killed him. So like Charity was screwed. She should have known that. But then yeah. again, I guess you just have to you know do whatever you can. Well, I, when I, you're, I, when I think you're it makes the, I, I, yeah, exactly. yeah, and I think it. I think it makes Snape look better anyway. Um, that that she's like pleading to him. She trusts him as a friend, which just shows how good of you know and uh, a good guy he played. You know the part of uh, that that people are turning to him for help, and he offers none. And then she dies. Voldemort likes that. Voldemort likes killing her when she's tortured, and and her her one you know so supposed ally is is just you know completely impassive and doesn't do a thing. You know doesn't even look at her. 
uh, that that's what yeah. he wants to be to, for his victims to be alone and friendless at the time of their death, just like he will be. Yeah. I mean, another thing I picked up on, which is unrelated to this, was uh, when Voldemort was talking to um, Bellatrix and to her about pruning her tree. As yeah. far as the black family tree was yeah. concerned, and she's and, the and one that he's ends not up talking killing. about horticulture. <laughs> Voldemort is not a horticulturalist, as far as we know. Uh, yeah, so well, by pruning, <laughs> yeah, well, there's plenty of other ways you could go with that too, but I'm not going to get it. <laughs> hey, let's. Not... Uh, yeah, my point was is that she's talking about uh, killing Tonks very early on, and we all know that's what ends up happening. And that's interesting that we mentioned Remus Lupin because isn't Lupin now – when I read this, I was concerned because Voldemort it, – it's of Voldemort's attention that Remus Lupin, the half-breed werewolf, has married Nymphadora Tonks. Now, I don't know how secret the Order thought they should have kept it, but they clearly – I mean, if Voldemort knows that Remus Lupin is – um a, not a good werewolf. Why Why would Voldemort... Uh, I was worried for Lupin, basically, in this book, because if he's still doing undercover things with the werewolves, trying to fit in, Voldemort could stop that with a single word. He could just tell them that Remus is not, no matter what, a good werewolf on the bad side to be swayed, and he should be killed, and they would kill him the next time they saw him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he was spending time with Tonks at home, so I don't think he he was any more within the werewolves like he was in the book six. So I don't think his assignment continued, I guess. So um, any other points or favorite lines from the series? For the, yeah, for that, the that was another part of chapter by chapter we're going to start doing now. But, I mean, we did go through uh, the one, I shall attend to the boy in person. Uh, I think we also mentioned Dinner in Nagini is also a great one. Great movie, Closer for Hedwig's team, The Fade In. As, mm. as Nagini's It'd be slithering really down. twisted. Won't it be really twisted to have thing like wow 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 It's like a remix. I hope that they I hope that they include the line Draco fell out of his onto the floor, his chair onto the floor. I have a hard time actually picturing Draco just straight up fall out of his chair onto the floor despite seeing Well you gotta realize now. it's a it's a human body, it weighs at least hundred fifty yeah. or hundred thirty, something like that. But the at body least. didn't and, push and, him over. Well, no, but it's a resounding crack on a... I mean, I assume it's a mahogany table, so maybe it didn't make that large of a crack. But that's that's pretty creepy. A whole yeah. body just falling right in front of you, like, literally, like, that's, that's not... Yeah, I guess. I guess. There yeah. was one other thing that I was wondering about in this chapter. Um, What's that? And it's actually a character um, who's never given any sort of identification. And at the beginning, I thought it was Slughorn, um, but I guess in the end it turned out not to be. But uh, it's on page four in this chapter, uh, in the American edition, and they talk about a squat man sitting a short distance from Yaxley, and they say he gave a wheezy giggle, and that just kind of reminded me of Slughorn. And oh, oh. Uh, he was ne- he was never well. He, it was just that he was never identified as as a specific character. I mean, I'm sure he could be some random Death Eater, but. Hang on, what's the quote? Uh, find some quotes right around it, if you can. I said, he's a... Uh, it says, the orders got one thing right then, eh? Referring to uh, <laughs> the fact that they had infiltrated the ministry. You don't think it was Pettigrew? No. Nah, he wouldn't it, speak I, like I guess that, it could have been. Like, I thought it was too. It could be. It, it may be. He gave a wheezy giggle that was echoed here and there along the table. I thought it was oh, one of the... The um, Caros, Amicus or Electo. Yeah, it, it is kind of strange, though, that Joe wouldn't 
even go on to mention him, whoever this him was. But I mean, because then she does bring up Wormtail. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, page 12 in the UK edition. <laughs> See, the Top other thing about 12. the segment is that we sort of think out loud. And we get yeah. through, you know. Um, my quote um, was just this really brilliant line about Bellatrix. Um, when he first, when, a- after Bellatrix assures Voldemort that there is no greater pleasure than um, his presence in their family's home, he, after she says it, um, he, he, there's actually a line, Joe, Joe Rowling writes... Um, where Narcissa sat rigid and impassive, Bellatrix leaned towards Voldemort, for mere words could not demonstrate her longing for closeness. That is a brilliant character line for Bellatrix. Did um, she not get any from her husband or something? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Bellatrix does. Oh well, I I yeah, don't know. She's I married. Think, is that an actual question? Does Bellatrix get any? Well, I mean, look at the quote. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, no, no, her, yeah, it's true. Can we talk about some Viagra or something? Her longing for closeness. Maybe, maybe there's no magical solution yet. What would the Latin be? Think about it. Erectus. What you know? What? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Magna. No, Erectus Maxima. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Gorgio, maybe. In, in Gorgio, no, no, Micah, that serves a different purpose. Um, <laughs> what, like, what purpose is that? To make it bigger, not harder. <laughs> okay, bigger. well, this concludes <laughs> chapter by chapter for uh, this week. Um, hopefully, everyone enjoyed it, and we want to encourage everyone to send in their feedback about chapter one and things that we discussed, and we'll get to them next week in the listener rebuttals and as well as style. Style, too. If you have any ideas about what we should kind of do to tweak it and yeah. to change it, see if we do... Because we did what? We did summary, key points, and favorite lines. Yeah, yeah we'll, we're still we'll follow an outline better. Yeah, we'll follow an outline. Mike will actually include his stuff. And Well, the, the idea yeah. was to pick, like, the top five plot points and then just discuss those instead of just going all over the place because that way we can just focus on the big stuff. And maybe yeah. we can include a little part, something called, like, a little thing or the little things. But uh, I don't know. It, this is hard yeah, to yeah, get right. Well, yeah, no, I, I think it's. I think it was accurate. Accurate, and there w- it was easy to pull five things from this chapter and talk yeah. about them. Okay, um, well, it's such a short chapter. So next week we will be discussing chapter two in memoriam. Uh, this is a good chapter because it comes with Rita Skeeter's article about uh, Albus Dumbledore, and uh, that was a good nice. read. That was a good read. Intro, yeah. So let's get to that next week. Read it beforehand, everyone, and then you can all follow along as we discuss it. It's sort of fun and interactive. Absolutely. Chapter 2. Isn't it great holding the, like, I get real pleasure out of just holding this book. Like, it's in pristine condition. Like, just the shape and the, it's just a beautiful, like, like work of art. I have (laughs) the one that you guys all signed, so I'm really happy about that. I didn't sign it. Well, Micah, you should Everyone have come to London. You said, you said you all. I don't think Andy signed it. Did you, Andy? <laughs> uh, Eric okay, signed, Andrew, um, I have the copy that you signed. Book anyway. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Hey, uh, let's move on to... Um, I didn't have a huh, email of the week, but I actually just got this Facebook message, and I feel like I have to read it. It's time for my... Huh? Facebook message of the week. Um, I'm going to leave this person nameless, because uh, that would just be embarrassing. 
Uh, the message says, first, I just wanted to say your podcast is still great. I had my doubts when the final book came out that you could keep it going with good material, and I'm happy to see that you guys are still number one in my book. When I'm bored in class, hungover, etc., I pop in my headphones and listen to you guys discuss everything about Harry. It's the best way to get through my day. But to get to my question, I'm going to be in New Jersey next weekend, and I'll be carrying Killer Bud. And judging by your profile picture, you might have at least tried the wacky tobacco. I would just be honored to give a nice free sample as much as you want to my favorite talk show host and actually meet you. I just want to apologize now if you don't smoke, my bad. But if you do, hey, free bud, get back to me. Oh, and hope you had a great, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Peace, the name of the person. Um, wow. Please give me a call and we'll discuss where to meet. Where to drop the shipment of wacky tobacco? No, that was supposed to be a joke. You were all supposed to laugh because I don't smoke that. No, seriously. Um, I just thought it was funny because I don't smoke. Well, good on you. Um, in the meantime, you can forward them to. No, I'm not in the states. <laughs> That's a nice offer, though. I, I like when listeners offer free stuff, even if it's um, something I'm not interested in. <laughs> I think it's a bizarre insight into the kind of illegal things that rock stars like us can get into. Pretty but easy. choose not to, kids. Yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> um, okay, well, yeah, thanks to him. <laughs> we'll wrap things up today with a chicken soup for the Mugglecaster's soul. Today's chicken soup comes from Amy, age 21, of Portland, Oregon. I'm pretty sure you do not hear often enough that without you, someone couldn't have gotten through all the brain slicing they had to do. I put on old episodes on one of the computers in our lab while I made endless number of slices of rat brain for the last month. For cell counts for my research, if we come up with ways to preserve brain function after injury, everyone gets to thank Harry Potter. So obviously she wasn't doing it for fun. But you guys are great. Thanks for helping me get through my thesis, Amy. That's so gross. Slice up rat brain. Now, you're trying to maintain brain function now, if I can get this correctly, after injury. But I don't know that it should be after injury. It should be after you cut the brain up into 15 pieces and put it on slides, right? Because... That's a bit that's a bit strange. I think that wraps up today's show. It's a good show. Yeah. I like the show. It was a good show. Um quick thing about the wall of fame. I actually haven't checked the email submissions yet for that. But uh we'll work on that soon, get a complete wall of fame. Probably have some results next week. Um let's give you all of our contact information. If you'd like to send us some parcel mail, you can mail that to MuggleCast, P.O. Box 3151, Cumming, Georgia, 30028. You can also call the MuggleCast hotline with your questions or comments. Just remember to keep your question under 60 seconds and eliminate as much background noise as possible. The numbers are, in the United States, one two one eight twenty magic If you're in the United Kingdom, you can dial 20 And if you're in Australia, you can dial 02-800-35668. You can also Skype the username MuggleCast. And you can also use the handy feedback form on MuggleCast.com to contact any one of us. And you can contact Andy at webmaster at harrypotterfanzone.com. Yep, if you're so inclined to do so. Yes. Because Andy's awesome. You can also visit MuggleCast.com for community outlets such as our MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, Frapper, Last.fm, and the fan listing. Also dig the show at dig.com. Please vote for us once a month at Podcast Alley. And you can also rate and review us on Yahoo Podcasts and, of course, iTunes. Please leave your iTunes reviews because we've gotten a couple of bad ones lately. We need to cover them up with the good ones. So, <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> so um, <laughs> also, we have the subscribe link now for... Uh, those of you who own a Zune, 
And of course, you can subscribe through iTunes. One quick thing about iTunes, please, people, please, 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 please. People always say when I put the show up, it's not showing up in iTunes yet. Yes, it is. It's not just showing up. It's just not showing up in the directory yet. If you hit subscribe, then click on podcasts on your iTunes. You click on podcasts on the left. Then you hit refresh. It'll look at your podcast, and it'll see that there's a new episode of MuggleCast out, and it'll download it automatically. You don't have to wait for it to show up, the new episode to show up in the store. Just click on the podcast tab on the left side of iTunes, hit refresh, it'll get MuggleCast. That's if you're subscribed. So, If you have an iPhone, do you just have to push the screen a few times to get a new podcast? No, you can't, you, can't, you can't download. There is the Wi-Fi iTunes store, but you can't download podcasts yet, which is kind of strange. No kidding. Yeah, they, there is um, some illegal software for the iPhone that lets you download podcasts and listen to them right on your phone without using a computer, but it's not as good as iTunes, so... It's not yet legal yet. Yeah. It well, guys, that was, that was good. That was yeah. a show. That was a show. I was just going to say, though, also, just a reminder for people to send in stuff for Chapter 2 so we can respond to it right away on the oh, show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. That's a great idea. Go and uh, re- read chapter two and see what you see. What you think? Should we get a? Should we say specific topic um, or subject of the email when they? No, send I it mean in? just. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Just yeah. chapter by chapter, maybe. We'll put right? chapter by chapter hyphen chapter two, or chapter by chapter hyphen chapter one. Uh, yeah, slash page five and enter page paragraph number quote. Well, I don't number, know if you have to you know. do all that. And <laughs> I'm just, just be sure about... to check it twice because if it's incorrect we will be reading it aloud on and you'll look stupid. No, I'm joking. Um, That's good. And guys, uh, what was I, oh, I going to say? Um, 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 I don't know. Forget it. Oh yeah, uh, send in your Christmas cards too. We'd love to. <laughs> yeah. It's about that time of the year where we get Christmas cards to the PO box, um, and they will, I think, all be forwarded. Uh, Laura's mother um, will be rushing around to get us all our Christmas cards on time, so send some more in. Thanks to Laura's mom for doing that. I'm looking forward to uh, the Christmas episodes. They're always fun ones, and the New Year's one. They're always good. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So. Didn't we? Yeah, we synced it up. Didn't yes. we last year? Yes. Very nice. Um, real quick, before we wrap up the show today, I just want to say I also talked to Jamie um, a little bit ago, and he said he may be able to come on next week for next week's show. So maybe he'll be back a little earlier than we thought. So that's all good news for all you Jamie fan dorks. I mean girls. Or boys. Yeah. Well, I... <laughs> goats. So, I may or may goats. not be here because um, of my trip to the South Island. I may or may not be able oh. to... Uh, but um, I'll okay. definitely see how chapter by chapter turns out without me, so that'd be cool. great. Okay, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Once again, I'm Andrew Sims. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Andy McRae. Once again, Andy's from HarryPotterFanZone.com. Thanks for joining us, Andy. It's all right. No problem. And we'll see everyone next week for episode 122. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.